pranayam is not as many think something about breath breath indeed has very little to do with it if anything breathing is only one of the many exercises through which we get to the real pranayama pranayama means the control of prana according to the philosophers of india the whole universe is composed of two materials one of which they called akasha it is the omnipresent all penetrating existence everything that has form everything that is the result of combination is evolved out of this akasha it is the akasha that becomes the sun the earth the moon the stars the comets it is the akasha that becomes the human body the animal body the plants every form that we see everything that can be sensed everything that exists it cannot be perceived it is so subtle that it is beyond all ordinary perception it can only be seen when it has become gross has taken form at the beginning of creation there is only this akasha at the end of the cycle the solids the liquids and the gases all melt into the akasha again and the next creation similarly proceeds out of this akasha by what power is this akasha manufactured into this universe by the power of prana just as the akasha is the infinite omnipresent material of this universe so is this prana the infinite omnipresent manifesting power of this universe at the beginning and at the end of a cycle everything becomes akasha and all the forces that are in the universe resolve back into the prana in the next cycle out of this prana is evolved everything that we call energy everything that we call force it is the prana that is manifesting as motion it is the prana that is manifesting as gravitation as magnetism it is the prana that is manifesting as the actions of the body as the nerve currents as thought force from thought down to the lowest force everything is but the manifestation of prana the sum total of all the forces in the universe mental or physical when resolved back to their original state is called prana when there was neither ought nor not when darkness was covering darkness what existed then that akasha existed without motion the physical motion of the prana was stopped but it existed all the same at the end of a cycle the energy is now displayed in the universe quiet down and become potential at the beginning of the next cycle they start up strike upon the akasha and out of the akasha evolve these various forms and as the akasha changes this prana changes also into all these manifestations of energy the knowledge and control of this prana is really what is meant by pranayama this opens to us the door to almost unlimited power suppose for instance a man understood the prana perfectly and could control it what power on earth would not be his he would be able to move the sun and stars out of their place to control everything in the universe from the atoms to the biggest suns because he would control the prana this is the end and aim of pranayam 
when the yogi becomes perfect there will be nothing in nature not under his control if he orders the gods or the souls of the departed to come they will come at his bidding all the forces of nature will obey him as slaves when the ignorant see these powers of the yogi they call them the miracles one peculiarity of the hindu mind is that it always inquires for the last possible generalization leaving the details to be worked out afterwards the question is raised in the vedas what is that knowing which we shall know everything thus all books and all philosophies that have been written have been only to prove that by knowing which everything is known if a man wants to know the universe bit by bit he must know every individual grain of sand which means in finite time he cannot know all of them then how can knowledge be how is it possible for a man to be all knowing through particulars the yogi say that behind this particular manifestation there is a generalization behind all particular ideas behind all particular ideas stands a generalized an abstract principle grasp it and you have grasped everything just as this whole universe has been generalized in the vedas into that one absolute existence and he who has grasped that existence has grasped the whole universe so all forces have been generalized into this prana and he who grasps the prana has grasped all the forces of the universe mental or physical he who has controlled the prana has controlled his own mind and all the minds that exist he who has controlled the prana has controlled his body and all the bodies that exist because the prana is the generalized manifestation of force how to control the prana is the one idea of pranayam all the trainings and exercises in this regard are for that one end each man must begin where he stands must learn how to control the things that are nearest to him this body is very near to us nearer than anything in the external universe and this mind is the nearest of all the prana which is working this mind and body is the nearest to us of all the prana in the universe this little wave of the prana which represents our own energies mental and physical is the nearest to us of all the waves of the infinite ocean of prana if we can succeed in controlling that little wave then alone we can hope to control the whole of prana the yogi who has done this the yogi who has done this gains perfection no longer is he under any power he becomes almost almighty almost all knowing we see sex in every country who have attempted this control of prana in this country there are mind healers faith healers spiritualists christian scientists hypnotists etc and if we examine these different bodies we shall find at the back of each this con- we shall find at the back of each this control of the prana whether they know it or not if you boil oil their theories down the residuum will be the if you boil oil their theories down the residuum will be that it is the one and the same force they are manipulating only unknowingly they have stumbled on the discovery of a force and are using it unconsciously without knowing its nature but it is the same as the yogi uses and which comes from prana 
The prana is the vital force in every being. Thought is the finest and highest action of prana. Thought again as we see is not all. There is also what we call instinct or unconscious thought. The lowest plane of action. If a mosquito stings us, our hand will strike it automatically, instinctively. This is one expression of thought. All reflex actions of the body belong. All reflex actions of the body belong to this plane of thought. There is again the other plane of thought, the conscious. I reason, I judge, I think, I see the pros and cons of certain things. Yet that is not all. We know that reason is limited. Reason can go only to a certain extent, beyond that it cannot reach. The circle within which it runs is very, very limited indeed. Yet at the same time, we find facts rush into this circle. Like the coming of comets, certain things come into this circle. It is certain they come from outside the limit, although our reason cannot go beyond. The mind can exist on a still higher plane, the superconscious. When the mind has attained to this state, it is called Samadhi, perfect concentration, superconsciousness. It goes beyond the limits of reason and comes face to face with facts which no instinct or reason can ever know. All manipulations of the subtle forces of the body, the different manifestations of prana, if trained, can, if trained give a push to the mind help it to go up higher and become superconscious from where it acts. In this universe, there is one continuous substance on every plane of existence. Physically, this universe is one. There is no difference between the sun and you. The scientist will tell you it's only a fiction to say the contrary. That there is no real difference between the table and me. The table is one point in the mass of matter and I another point. Each form represents, as it were, one whirlpool in the infinite ocean of matter, of which not one is constant. Just as in a rushing stream there may be millions of whirlpools, the water in each of which is different every moment, turning round and round for a few seconds, and then passing out, replaced by a fresh quantity. So the whole universe is one constant changing mass of matter, in what? in which all forms of existence are so many whirlpools. A mass of matter enters into one whirlpool, say a human body, stays there for a period, becomes changed and goes out into another, say an animal body this time, from which again after a few years it enters into another whirlpool called a lump of mineral. It is a constant change. Not one body is constant. There is no such thing as my body or your body except in words. One of the huge mass of matter, one point is called a moon, another a sun, another a man, another the earth, another a planet, another a mineral. Not one is constant but everything is changing, matter eternally concreting and disintegrating. So it is with the mind. Matter is represented by the ether. When the action of prana is most subtle, this very ether in the finer state of vibration will represent the mind and it will be still one unbroken mass.
In the English translations, prana is given as breath and you are inclined to ask how that is to be done. The fault is with the translator. Every part of the body can be filled with prana, this vital force, and when you are able to do that, you can control the whole body. All the sickness and misery felt in the body will be perfectly controlled. Not only so, you will be able to control another's body. Everything is infectious in this world, good or bad. If your body be in a state of certain tension, it will have a tendency to produce the same tension in others. If you are strong and healthy, those that live near you will also have the tendency to become strong and healthy. But if you are sick and weak, those around you will have the tendency to become the same. In the case of one man trying to heal another, the first idea is simply transferring his own health to the other. This is the primitive sort of healing. Consciously or unconsciously, health can be transmitted. A very strong man living with a weak man will make him a little stronger whether he knows it or not. When consciously done, it becomes quicker and better in its action. Next come those cases in which a man may not be very healthy himself, yet we know that he can bring health to another. The first man in such a case has a little more control over the prana and can arouse for the time being his prana as it were to a certain state of vibration and transmit it to another person. There have been cases where the process has been carried on at a distance, but in reality there is no distance in the sense of a break. Where is the distance that has a break? Is there any break between you and the sun? It is a continuous mass of matter, the sun being one part and you another. Is there a break between one part of a river and another? Then why cannot any force travel? There is no reason against it. Causes of healing from a distant are perfectly true. The prana can be transmitted to a very great distance, but to one genuine case there are hundreds of frauds. Prana can be transmitted to a very great distance, but to one genuine case there are hundreds of frauds. This process of healing is not so easy as it is thought to be. In the most ordinary cases of such healing, you will find that the healers simply take advantage of the naturally healthy state of the human body. An allopath comes and treats cholera patients and gives them his medicines. The homeopath comes and gives his medicines and cures perhaps more than the allopath does because the homeopath does not disturb his patients but allows nature to deal with them. The faith healer cures more still because he brings the strength of his mind to bear and rouses through faith the dormant prana of the patient. There is a mistake constantly made by faith healers. They think that faith directly heals a man, but faith alone does not cover all the ground. There are diseases where the worst symptoms are that the patient never thinks that he has that disease. That tremendous faith of the patient is itself one symptom of the disease and usually indicates that he will die quickly. In such cases, the principle that faith cures does not apply. If it were faith alone that cured, these patients also would be cured. It is by the prana the real curing comes. The pure man who has controlled the prana has the power of bringing it into a certain state of vibration which can be conveyed to others, arousing in them a similar vibration. You see that in everyday actions I am talking to you. 
what am I trying to do? I am, so to say, bringing my mind to a certain state of vibration. And the more I succeed in bringing it to that state, the more you'll be affected by what I say. All of you know that the day I am more enthusiastic, the more you enjoy the lecture. And when I'm less enthusiastic, you feel lack of interest. The gigantic willpowers of the world, the world movers can bring their prana into a high state of vibration. And it is so great and powerful that it catches others in a moment and thousands are drawn towards them and half the world think as they do. Great prophets of the world had the most wonderful control of the prana, which gave them tremendous willpower that they had brought their prana to the highest state of motion and that is what gave them power to sway the world. All manifestations of power arise from this control. Men must know that secret, but this is the one explanation. Sometimes in your own body the supply of prana gravitates more or less to one part. The balance is disturbed. And when the balance of prana is disturbed, what we call disease is produced. To take away the superfluous prana or to supply the prana that is wanting will be curing the disease. That again is pranayama. To learn when there is more or less prana in one part of the body than there should be. The feelings will become so subtle that the mind will feel that there is less prana in the toe or the finger than there should be and will possess the power to supply it. These are among the various functions of pranayama. They have to be learned slowly and gradually and as you see the whole scope of Raja Yoga is really to teach the control and direction in different planes of the prana. When a man has concentrated his energies, he masters the prana that is in his body. When a man is meditating, he is also concentrating the prana. In an ocean, there are huge waves like the mountains, then smaller waves until and still smaller down to little bubbles. But back of all these is the infinite ocean. The bubble is connected with the infinite ocean at one end and the huge wave at the other end. So one may be gigantic man and another a little bubble but each is connected with the infinite ocean of energy which is the common birthright of every animal that exists. Wherever there is life the storehouse of infinite energy is behind it. Starting as some fungus, some very minute microscopic bubble and all the time drawing from that infinite storehouse of energy. A form is changed slowly and steadily until in course of time it becomes a plant, then an animal, then man, ultimately God. This is attained through millions of eons. But what is time? An increase of speed, an increase of struggle is able to bridge the gulf of time. That which naturally takes a long time to accomplish can be shortened by the intensity of the action, says the yogi. A man may go on slowly drawing in this energy from the infinite mass that exists in the universe and perhaps he will require a hundred thousand years to become a god and then perhaps five hundred thousand years to become still higher and perhaps five millions of years to become perfect. Given rapid growth, the time will be lessened. Why is it not possible with sufficient effort to reach this very perfection in six months or six years? There is no limit. Reason shows that. If an engine with a certain amount of coal runs two miles an hour, it'll run the distance in less time with the greater supply of coal. Similarly, why shall not the soul, by intensifying its action, attain perfection in this very life? All beings will, at last, attain to that goal we know 
But who cares to wait all these millions of eons? Why not reach it immediately in this body, even in this human form? Why shall I not get that infinite knowledge, infinite power now? The ideal of the yogi, the whole science of yoga is directed to the end of teaching men how, by intensifying the power of assimilation, to shorten the time for reaching perfection instead of slowly advancing from point to point and waiting until the whole human race has become perfect. That is what is meant by concentration, intensifying the power of assimilation, thus shortening the time. Raja Yoga is the science which teaches us how to gain the power of concentration. What has Pranayama to do with spiritualization? What has pranayama to do with spiritualism? Spiritualism is also a manifestation of pranayama. If it be true that the departed spirits exist, only we cannot see them. It is quite probable that there may be hundreds and millions of them about us we can neither see, feel, nor touch. We may be continually passing and repassing through their bodies and they do not see or feel us. It is a circle within a circle, universe within universe. We have five senses and we represent prana in a certain state of vibration. All beings in the same state of vibration will see one another, but if there are beings who represent prana in a higher state of vibration, they will not be seen. We may increase the intensity of light until we cannot see it at all, but there may be beings with eyes so powerful that they can see such light. Again, if its vibrations are very low, we do not see a light, but there are animals that may see it as cats and owls. Our range of vision is only one plane of the vibrations of this prana. Take the atmosphere, for instance, it is piled up layer on layer, but the layers nearer to the earth are denser than above and as you go higher, the atmosphere becomes finer and finer. Or take the case of the ocean, as you go deeper and deeper, the presence of the water increases and animals which live at the bottom of the sea can never come up or they will be broken into pieces. Think of the universe as an ocean of ether consisting of layer after layer of varying degrees of vibration under the action of prana. Away from the center the vibrations are less, nearer to it they become quicker and quicker. One order of vibration makes one plane. Then suppose these ranges of vibrations are cut into planes, so many millions of miles of one set of vibration and then so many miles of miles another still higher set of vibration and so on. It is therefore probable that those who live on the plane of a certain state of vibration will have 
the power of recognizing one another but will not recognize those above them. Yet, just as by the telescope and the microscope we can increase the scope of our vision, similarly we can by yoga bring ourselves to the state of vibration of another plane and thus enable ourselves to see what is going on there. Suppose this room is full of beings whom we do not see. They represent prana in a certain state of vibration while we represent another. Suppose they represent a quick one and we the opposite. Prana is the material of which they are composed as well as we are. All are parts of the same ocean of prana. They differ only in the rate of vibration. If I can bring myself to the quick vibration, this plane will immediately change for me. I shall not see you anymore. You vanish and they appear. Some of you perhaps know this to be true. All this bringing of the mind into a higher state of vibration is included in one word in yoga, samadhi. All these states of higher vibration, superconscious vibrations of the mind are grouped in that one word, samadhi. And the lower states of samadhi gives us visions of these beings. The highest grade of samadhi is when we see the real things, when we see the material out of which the whole of these grades of beings are composed and that one lump of clay being known, we know all the clay in the universe. Thus we see that pranayama also includes spiritualism. Similarly, you will find that whenever any sect or body of people is trying to search out anything occult and mystical or hidden, what they are trying is really this yoga, this attempt to control the prana. You will find that whenever there is any extraordinary display of power, it is the manifestation of this prana. Even the physical sciences can be included in pranayama. What moves the steam engine? Prana acting through the steam. What are all these phenomena? Of electricity and so forth but prana what is physical science the science of pranayama by external means prana manifesting itself as mental power can only be controlled by mental means that part of pranayama which attempts to control the physical manifestations of the prana by physical means called physical science and that part which tries to control the manifestations of the prana as mental force by mental means is called raja yoga The psychic prana, according to the yogis, there are two nerve currents in the spinal cord. In the spinal column called pingala and ida and a hollow canal called sushamana running through the spinal cord. At the lower end of the hollow canal is what the yogis call the lotus of the kundalini. They describe it as a triangular in form in which in the symbolic language of the yogis there is a power called the kundalini coiled up. When that kundalini awakes, it tries to force a passage through this hollow canal and as it rises step by step, as it were, layer after layer of the mind becomes open and all the different visions and wonderful powers come to the yogi. When it reaches the brain, the yogi is perfectly detached from the body and mind. The soul finds itself free. We know that the spinal cord is composed in a peculiar manner. If we take the figure eight horizontally, there are two parts which are connected in the middle. Suppose you add eight after eight piled one on top of the other, that will represent the spinal cord. 
The left is the Ida, the right Pingla, hollow canal which runs to the center of the spinal cord of the Sushamana, where the spinal cord ends in some of the lumbar vertebrae. A fine fiber issues downwards and the canal runs up even within the flare, only much finer. The canal is closed at the lower end which is situated near what is called the sacral plexus, which according to modern physiology is triangular in form. The different plexus that have their centers in the spinal canal can very well stand for the different lotuses of the yogi. The yogi conceives of several centers beginning, beginning with the moladhara, the basic and ending with the sahasra, the thousand petal lotus in the brain. So if we take these different plexus, so if we take these different plexes as representing the lotuses, the idea of the yogi can be understood very easily in the language of modern physiology. We know there are two sets of we know there are two sorts of actions in these nerve currents, one afferent, the other efferent, one sensory and the other motor, one centripetal and the other centrifugal. One carries the sensations to the brains and the other from the brain to the outer body. These vibrations are all connected with the brain in the long run. Several other facts we have to remember in order to clear the way for the explanation which is to come. The spinal cord of the brain ends in a sort of a bulb in the medulla which is not attached to the brain but floats in a fluid in the brain. If there was a blow on the head of the force of the blow, will be dissipated in the fluid and will not hurt the bulb. This is an important fact to remember. Secondly, we have also to know that of all the centers we have particularly to remember three, the Moladhara, the basic, the Sahasra, the thousand petal lotus of the brain and the Manipura, the lotus of the navel. Next, we shall take one fact from physics. We, we all hear of electricity and various other forces connected with it. What electricity is, no one knows, but so far as it is known, it is a sort of motion. There are various other motions in the universe. What is the difference between them and electricity? Suppose this table moves, that the molecules which compose the table are moving in different directions. If they're all made to move in the same direction, it will be through electricity. Electric motion make the molecules of a body move in the same direction. If all the air molecules in the room are made to move in the same direction, it will make a gigantic battery of electricity in the room. Another point from physiology we must remember that the center which regulates the respiratory system, the breathing system, has a sort of controlling action over the system of nerve currents. Now we shall see why breathing is practiced. In all the first place from rhythmical breathing comes a tendency of all the molecules in the body to move in the same direction. When mind changes into will, the nerve cell current changes into a motion similarly to electricity because the nerves have been proved to show polarity under the action of electric currents. This shows that will is transformed into the nerve currents. It is changed into something like electricity. When all the motions of the body have become perfectly rhythmical, the body has, as it were, become a gigantic battery of will. This tremendous will is exactly what the yogi wants. This is therefore a physiological explanation of the breathing exercise. It tends to bring a rhythmical action in the body and helps us through the respiratory center to control the other centers. The pranayama here is to rouse. 
The aim of pranayama here is to rouse the coiled up power in the muladhara called the kundalini. Everything that we see or imagine or dream, we have to perceive in space. This is the ordinary called the mahaakasha or elemental space. When a yogi reads the thoughts of other men or perceives supersensuous objects, he sees them in another sort of space called the chit akasha or the mental space. When perception has become objectless and the soul shines in its own nature, it is called chitakash or knowledge space. When the kundalini is aroused and enters the canal of the sushamna, all the perceptions are in the mental space. When it has reached the end of the canal which opens out into the brain, the objectless perception is in the knowledge space. Taking the analogy of electricity, we find that man can send a current along a wire, but nature requires no wires to send her tremendous currents. This proves that the wire is not really necessary, but that only our inability to dispense with it compels us to use it. The reference to the wire over here, I mean, please do remember this book, this lecture was given way before the discovery of wireless telegraphy. So a lot of references are around, you know, the 19, early 1900s, late 1800s, I would mention that. Similarly, all the sensations and motions of the body are being sent into the brain and sent out of it through these wires of nerve fibers. The columns of sensory and motor fibers in the spinal cord are the ida and pingla of the yogis. They are the main channels through which the afferent and efferent currents travel. But why should not the mind send news without any wire or react without any wire? We see this is done in nature. The concepts here are amazing, you know, it's way beyond time. It's way beyond even this present time. But I think it's of late everybody is understood. And, you know, there is this huge rising where people understand uh, what energy can do. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm going to go back to the book again. The yogi says, if you can do that, you have got rid of the bondage of matter. How to do it? If you can make the current pass through the sushamna, the, the canal in the middle of the spinal column, you have solved the problem. Um, just a little note. Yes, this lecture was probably late 1800s or 1900s, but you have to understand these concepts are about 5000 years old, but way beyond that. The mind has made this network of the nervous system and has to break it so that no wires will be required to work through. I actually correct myself. I don't think it's a concept. This is like a working model provided somebody is able to use it. So the entire science is given out for you. Anybody can access it. It's not exclusive. It's not a concept. It's a science. Then alone with all knowledge comes to us no more bondage of body. That is why it is so important that we should get control of the Sushamana. If we can send the mental current through the hollow canal without any nerve fibers to act as wires, the yogi says the, the problem is solved and he also says it can be done. This Sushamana is an ordinary person's closed up at the lower extremity. No action comes through it. The yogi proposes a practice by which it can be opened and the nerve currents made to travel through. When a sensation is carried to a center, the center reacts. This reaction, this reaction in the case of automatic centers is followed by motion. In the case of conscious centers, it is followed first by perception and secondly by motion. 
all perception is the reaction to action from outside. There is then no action from outside. The sensory emotions therefore are coiled up somewhere. For instance, I see a city. The perception of the city is from the reaction to the sensations brought from outside objects comprising that city. That is to say, a certain motion in the brain molecules has been set up by the motion in the in carrying nerves, which again are set in motion by external objects in the city. Now, even after a long time, I can remember the city. This memory is exactly the same phenomenon, only it is in a milder form. But whence is the action that sets up even the milder form of similar vibrations in the brain? Not certainly from the primary sensations. Therefore, it must be that sensations are coiled up somewhere and they, by their acting, bring out the mild reaction which we call dream perception. Now, the center where all these residual sensations are, as it was stored up, is called the Muladhara. The root receptacle and the coiled up action, coiled up energy of action is Kundalini. The coiled up. It is very probable that the residual motor energy is also stored, is also stored up in the same center as after deep study or meditation on external objects. The part of the body where the Muladhara is situated, probably the sacral plexus, gets heated. Now if this coiled up energy be roused and made active, then consciously made to travel up up the Sushamna canal as it acts upon center after center, a tremendous reaction will set in. When a minute portion of the energy travels along a nerve fiber and causes reaction from centers, the perception is either dream or imagination. But when the power of long internal meditation, the vast mass of energy stored up, travels along the Sushamna and strikes the centers, the reaction is tremendous immensely superior to the reaction of dream or imagination, immensely more intense than the reaction of sense perception. It is supersensuous perception. And it, when it reaches the metropolis of all sensations, the brain, the whole brain as it were reacts and the result is the full blaze of illumination, the perception of the self. As this Kundini force travels from the center to center, layer after layer of the mind, as it were, opens up and the universe is perceived by the yogi in its fine or casual form. Then alone the causes of this universe, both as sensation and reaction, are known as they are, and hence comes all knowledge. The causes being known, the knowledge of the effects is sure to follow. Thus the rising of the Kundalini is one and the only way to attain divine wisdom, superconscious perception realization of the spirit. The rousing may come in various ways through love for God, through the mercy of perfected sages, or through the power of the analytic will of the philosopher. Wherever there was any manifestation of what is ordinarily called supernatural power or wisdom, there a little current of Kundalini must have found its way into the Sushamna. Only in the vast majority of such cases, people had ignorantly stumbled on some practice which set free a minute portion of the coiled up kundalini. All worship, consciously or unconsciously, leads to this end. The man who thinks that he is receiving a response to his prayers does not know that the fulfillment comes from his own nature, that he has succeeded by the mental attitude of prayer in waking up a bit of this infinite power which is coiled up within himself. What thus men ignorantly worship under various names through fear and tribulation 
the yogi declares to the world to be the real power coiled up in every being the mother of eternal happiness if we but know how to approach her and raja yoga is the science of religion the rational of all worship all prayers forms ceremonies and miracles